Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. Well, we're on week number three of a series that we've called Living a Better Story. It comes out of Donald Miller's book, which is called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, What I Learned While Editing My Life. And the book came out of a phone call that he received from a movie producer who said, we'd like to make a movie out of your life. And he was flattered. He's like, that's uh, incredible. And when he started to work on the screenplay, he realized something that, uh, in his words, my life sucks. He said, there was really nothing epic about my story. There was nothing memorable. There was nothing eternal about my story. He said that every life is a story, whether it is a story worth telling, is really up to you. And so we've been talking about how do we create a life or a story that's worth telling. Miller says a story is based upon what people think is important. So when we live a story, we are telling people around us what we think is important. Based on that statement, he said, I was embarrassed by what I was communicating as being most important in my life. Hey, if someone was to look at the story arc of your life today, what would they say is most important in your life? I'll let you wrestle with that a little bit. We really don't have any time to review today, so I encourage you to go back and listen to previous messages in this series. You can uh, grab the podcast on iTunes or listen to them on our website. One thing that I'm confident about is that uh, God uh, wants us uh, to live a story that has weight, that has purpose. He doesn't want us to live a story uh, with a weak plot line. He wants to write a story with us that, that has meaning. And uh, this is where we all have a common struggle. I think that we disqualify ourselves from the story that God is writing, a story of significance, because we don't feel that we are right for the part This has been my struggle for most of my life. I can produce a long list of reasons why I shouldn't be here. I can produce a a long list of reasons of of how God messed it up, why there was a a mistake in the casting department and how my headshot found its way to God's desk on mistake by mistake and somehow he put me in a role that I am underqualified for. But I don't think I'm alone in this. I think most of us have this struggle that we disqualify ourselves from a story that God is uh, writing for us. And I think there's a reason we share this common struggle. A a dominant thread throughout biblical text is one of orphanhood, abandonment, and distance. Both distance from one another, but also a distance that we have from God. And the Bible hints at this idea that we are born orphans. Now, an orphan, in in its simplest sense, is separation. A child is separated from his or her parents. And we know that sin separates us from God, and we all sin. The Bible makes that clear, and we don't even need the Bible to tell us that. Just All i got to do is take a step back and look at my life. I I sin. You, same. And the Bible says that that sin separates us from God. And so it says that when we are born, we are born spiritual orphans. We are separated from uh, our spiritual, our heavenly Father. And this is our natural condition. And this sin that separates us from God leaves its mark on us. We have been branded, so to speak, marked with tendencies that are common to orphans. For example, 
This idea that we are only as good as our last performance. That we're only as good as our last performance. Our esteem, our self-image is tied to the last game, the last report card, the last paycheck, the last investment performance, the last business deal, the last children's, child's behavior. Another tendency common to orphans is this idea that my performance is linked to God's love and approval. That love really isn't something that is freely received, but love is more something that is earned, which leaves us feeling that my worth is ultimately determined by my performance. Now for me, performance was a common theme as a child. I had a father that was driven to success. He came over from Germany when he was 19, and he kind of uh, you know, one of those showed up with nothing in his pocket and he made his way through hard work and effort and uh, sweat and he invested that into his children. And this idea of performance, this drive to succeed, was what we grew up with, especially my brother and I. And I remember conversations where he would say, you never, you never want to be the ditch digger, would be his words. He said, you always want to be the guy who is giving the orders to dig to dig the ditch. And so we grew up with this pressure that the more that you make, the higher in management that you are, the more value, the more worth that you have as a man. And growing up when that value of hard work wasn't demonstrated through chores or proactive thinking or exceptional labor, it was because in my father's eyes, you were lazy. Now, it's not a yoke my father meant to put on me, but Satan takes any opportunity to warp us. And so this was my struggle growing up. This was what had the potential to disqualify me from the story God was writing for my life. You see, I, I have been branded across my chest is the word lazy. And if I don't work hard enough, or I can't work hard enough, and therefore it's easy for me to feel that I'm not worthy to be in the role that God has placed me in, the story that God has written for me. Now your word may be different than mine. Your branding might look different. I don't know what has been branded into your skin. Maybe it's the word rejection, or maybe it's a people pleaser, or, or maybe it's rebellious, or disappointment, or worthless, or stupid, or unlovable. But I'm guessing that somewhere along the line, the enemy, your spiritual enemy, used whatever opportunity presented to warp you. And now we carry this around as, as part of our being. It's branded into us. And then for me, I, I came to Jesus and I brought this with me, this branding of lazy. And then my spiritual worth was now determined by how hard I work and how well I perform. But this time, I wasn't performing for a spiritual father or a, an earthly father, but I was performing for a spiritual one. And it became all about how much do you pray and how often do you go to church and how many hours served and how much do you give and how little do you sin and how many people do you invite and how long do you read. And because we can never measure up we begin to disqualify ourselves from a story that matters, a story that I think God wants to write for each of us. So what is it today that you would say weighs you down, holds you back from stepping into a story that God is writing for you? The good news is, is that when, when we read through the biblical text, it is full of men and women 
who are just like us, who did not feel ready, who did not feel qualified for the part, who, who, who had their own personal struggles, and yet we see time and time again God overcoming their struggle to work them into the story that he has for them. So let's unpack this a little bit. Join me as we pray. So today, God, speak so clearly to us. Pray that you would break any lies that are held over us, any ways that we disqualify ourselves from the story that you would have for us. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would rest upon us and begin to erase those things that have been heaped upon us, those words that have been branded into our psyche, into our being. Begin to overwhelm us with the words that you would speak over us. Let us hear a new voice, the voice of God speaking acceptance and love and worth over each one of us, we pray. We invite you, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah to start with, looking at a few verses. Now, if you don't know who Jeremiah was, uh, Jeremiah was a prophet, not a bullfrog, as some of you were thinking. I know what some of you are thinking. He's about 600 B.C., and Jeremiah uh, has God appear to him, and it's in Jeremiah chapter 1, we'll start in verse 4. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying. Now we could say that God was writing a story and he wrote Jeremiah in as a major player in the story. Verse 5, he said, before I formed you in the womb, God said, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. We could say that I already had a story written for you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now this was a great moment for Jerry. I call him Jerry, he's okay with that. God revealed his plan, he revealed his story, uh, and that Jeremiah was just voted prophet of the year, and then Jerry begins to give his acceptance speech. In verse 6, he says, ah, sovereign Lord, I said. Now the first three words of his acceptance speech was, were, were on point. He says, you are sovereign Lord, you are all-powerful and supreme and ultimate power, and you made me and formed me and knit me together, and without you I cease to exist, sovereign Lord, you are. See, he started off well, but some guys just don't know when to shut up. Give me advice for some of you married uh, men, newly married. Here's advice from a 25-year man, happily married. Know when to shut it, all right? That's what I'm just, that's what I'm going to leave with you, right? See, Proverbs says that even fools are thought wise when they remain silent. You ever want to look wise in your wife's eyes? Just sometimes it's just being quiet. All right, that's my advice to you. So Jerry should have ended the speech. He should have walked off the stage and just, ah, sovereign Lord. But he says, I do not know how to speak. And I am only a child. See, what Jeremiah was saying is, I'm not qualified for this role. I can't step into this story. I, I'm not, I, I lack the ability, I lack the talent, I, I lack the education, I lack the experience. But, so thank you for thinking of me, but I'm going to pass on this one. Now, we don't know anything about Jeremiah's childhood, so we're going to speculate here. But m- maybe he was teased. Maybe he didn't do well in school. Maybe he was laughed at. and, and, and uh, Maybe he was laughed at to the point of where he now doubts his intelligence and perhaps branded on him was this idea of stupid or failure whatever it was that caused him to say hey god i i do not know how to speak well 
We do know that Jeremiah's father was a high priest. Maybe he grew up in his shadow and he thought, I can never amount to what dad is. I could never fill his shoes. And, and so maybe upon him was branded this idea of mediocre or inferior. However it happened, we know that Jeremiah did not see himself as the right character for the role. What about you? Have you been there? Have you ever looked at yourself and said, God, thank you for the opportunity, but, but no thank you, I'm not the right person? See, if, maybe if I wasn't divorced, then maybe, maybe. Or maybe if I was better educated, or if I didn't do that sin, or if I took my parents' advice, maybe if I went left instead of going right, maybe if I was more faithful, but I'm not, so thank you, but I'm going to pass. And then we see Jeremiah, he uses six words that had the potential to remove him from the story God was writing. Those words are, I do not, and I am only. Six words that could derail this story. But Jeremiah is about to find out that the role that God wrote for him had far less to do about him and had far more to do about the author's ability to work through him. See, the, the I do not and I am only, it created a shift in focus. And, and, and the focus went off of God and it moved back onto Jeremiah. And he just said, hey, look, here's the reality of it. I do not and I am only. And how many times have you spoke that over yourself? How many times have I spoke that over myself? God kind of steps into this and he says, Jeremiah, I'm going to match you an eye for an eye. A pronoun for a pronoun. Here's what it says, verse 7. He says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And do not be afraid of them for I am with you. And will rescue you, declares the Lord. He's saying, Jeremiah, you want to focus on I meaning you, but I want to focus on I meaning me. And so I'm going to match you eye for eye. If we go back to verse 5, he says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as prophet to the nations. See, see, you're not the only one, Jeremiah, that I've had to match an eye for an eye. Anytime that you want to present yourself and you want to focus on, on yourself, I can match you an eye for an eye. It was Gideon who said, I, I am the weakest of my tribe and the weakest in my family. But God said, I call you a man of valor and a man of strength. See, it was Isaiah who said, woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. But God matched him eye for eye and said, hey, I can take care of that immediately. It was Peter who said, depart from me, Jesus, because I am only a sinner. And Jesus said, but I will make you fishers of men. Abraham said, I'm too old to have a child. And God said, but I will make you the father of a great nation. It was Jacob who said, I am Jacob, which means deceiver. And God said, but I will change your name to Israel, which means he who prevails. I can match you eye for an eye as long as I need to. And you want to focus on yourself, but God's saying, I want to focus on me. Let today be the day that God matches you an eye for an eye. And maybe you're going to say, God, I feel unworthy. But God's reply to you would be, but I will make you worthy through my son. And you may say, I've been rejected my whole life. And God said, but I've accepted you as my own daughter, as my own son. And you might say, well, God, I have a past. And God would say, but I have a future. And you would say, God, but I have sin. And he would say, I have a cross. 
And you might say, God, I, I have doubt. And he would say, but I have an empty tomb. And you would say, I am weak. And he would say, but I am strong enough for both of us. And I am anxious. And God would say, but I give peace that surpasses understanding. Maybe today is the day that God needs to match you an eye for an eye. He says, look, we can do this all day long. Anything that you want to say, I can rebut it. And I can match you in this. And so the choice comes down to who will you focus on? Jeremiah, the story's really never been about you. It was about my ability to work through you. Let's look at another character in the Bible who focused on this I pronoun. Moses found himself in a rather typical day. He would gather the sheep together. He would move them to fertile feeding ground. And then he would wait. And he would wait as the sun crawls across the sky. And then he would gather the sheep up and he'd take them back home where he would wait again for the same routine to start over. And on this day, the leathered-skinned shepherd expected really nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, why should this be any different than the previous 14,600 days that preceded it? Because he'd been in this season of life, this chapter he'd been stuck on for 40 years. Looking for richer pasture, he moves his sheep to the base of Mount Horeb. And God grabs his attention with some special effects. There's a burning bush that is burning, and yet it is not consumed. And then God steps it up a notch, and out of this bush, God begins to speak. It's a little crazy. Exodus 3, verse 4 and 5. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him. Out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals, sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And God begins to tell him, I have heard the cries of my people. I have seen the, the, the slavery that they are in. The people of Israel were uh, in bondage to the people of uh, their masters in Egypt. And God said, I've heard their prayers. I have seen their suffering. And now I am writing a story for you, Moses. And your story is pretty big. I'm writing a story and you're in it. Look at verse 10. God says, come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. It's like I'm writing a story for you, Moses, that you would bring my people out of bondage, that you would be a deliverer of sorts. And Moses responds so much like we do. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's a slightly different variation on, uh, uh, than, than what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, I, I do not and I am only. And Moses just said, who am I? Regardless, the focus is back upon me and what I can do and what I'm about. Ever find yourself up against a challenge that seems too great to overcome? Have you stood in the shadow of an enemy that appeared too strong to conquer? Has God ever called you into a story that was beyond your ability to comprehend? And the first thing that comes to mind, who am I? Hey, I remember when God spoke very clearly to start this church, my response in some form or fashion was, who am I? And so God continues this dialogue with Moses. Who am I? 
These are three little words that have the potential to choke our faith and to limit God's story in us. And what I found is that we, we easily fill in the blank to complete that sentence. Not only do we say, who am I? We'll tell God who we are. Who am I? Well, God, I, I, am, I am dysfunctional. That's who I am. I, I don't know if you've forgotten my past, God, or if you've forgotten who you're talking to, or maybe you forgot the family that I was raised in, but who am I? I'm dysfunctional. That's who I am. God, I am deficient. See, God, I've never had what it takes. I've never had enough. I've always been lacking. I don't know why you've come to me with this story, because who am I? I am deficient. I am depleted. God, I am exhausted. Life is hard, and it's beaten me down, and I haven't told many people, but I'm ready to throw in the towel. You want to know who I am, God? I am depleted. That's who I am. Moses asked the question, who who, who am I? Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. It's like, God, have you forgotten who, you, who you're speaking to? Yesterday, I was slow of speech, and as far as from what I can tell today, I'm still slow of speech. Forty years talking to sheep has not helped. He, he, was, he was branded. Maybe he was branded unworthy because 40 years earlier, right, he, he saw a Hebrew uh, being uh, uh, beat up, abused by an Egyptian, and he rose up and he killed the Egyptian, and he buried him in the sand, and he went on the run. And so now maybe he's been branded across his arm, back of his neck, over his chest, that says, unworthy, or maybe he's branded with stupid or slow of speech, whatever it looks like, he presents himself to God by saying, who am I? I got these tats all over me that clearly describe who I am, in case you have forgotten Moses and God, they have this dialogue back and forth, and Moses is losing the argument. And Then Moses finally says, okay, let's just say maybe I do this. And he says, okay, so if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then I well, what am I supposed to tell them? And I remember Moses, is, this whole thing is, who am I? And now he's turned and saying, and who are you? And God's about to match him. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, that I am has sent me to you. Now look, this this is a a, a difficult phrase to explain. It is all-encompassing. What God is saying is that I exist apart from any other part of creation and apart from any other influence I am, that my nature cannot be contained or declared in words and it cannot be consumed, uh, conceived by human thought. I am, God says, who I am. I am like no one other before me or that will to come. He says, but if I have to give myself a name to fit it into a language that you may understand, then you tell them that I am sent you. He's like, Moses, I have written a story and I am sending you to the most powerful man in the the world to, to disrupt the most powerful empire in the world. But Moses, you are missing something critical On your own, he would say, Moses, on your own, I agree with you. The who am I question is valid because you are not. You don't have what it takes and and you will never be enough. But I am. 
I am is an open-ended statement. What he was saying is that whatever it is that you're not, I am. Whatever it is that you need me to be, I am. Moses said, but God, I'm not very good at speaking. And God would reply and say, I get it, but I am. And Moses would say, but I don't trust my leadership. I'm not a strong leader. And God would say, but I am. I'm not sure if if I have the confidence in my ability. And God says, I am. I'm confident in myself. Listen very carefully. Today, God is speaking this to someone. Whatever you're not in your life today, I am. Whatever it is that you need at this moment, I am. And so you could say, well, God, are you my provider? God would say, I am. Are you my sustainer? And God would say, I am that too. Deliverer, I am. Are you all-powerful and all-knowing? God would say, I am. Are you the good shepherd and are you the light of the world and are you the door? And he would say, I am. And we would ask, are are you the bread of life and are you the resurrection? And he would say, I am that too. And and are you my peace? And he said, I am that. And he said, "Are, are my confidence? I am. Are you my strength and weakness? I am. Are you the author of my life? God would say, I am. Are are you my savior, redeemer, teacher, comforter, healer? He would say, I am everything you are not. Let me just step out of being a pastor for a moment. Sometimes I write things and I think, this is going to be a really good point. And sometimes it just kind of goes... And so you don't really know how good I may be preaching unless you support me back sometimes. So, hey, if it's good, I'm just telling you, you can, you, you know, you can, you can respond back because it may even get better. And sometimes in this huge room, I go home and tell my wife, I was like, did I put everyone to sleep? I'm stepping back into pastor role now. Thank you. Someone needs to hear. There is nothing that you need, that I am not. That's God's word over you today. See, many of us, we we wrestle with this gap between our weakness, our failures, and our dreams. There's a gap between how we see ourselves and the story that God writes for us and what God speaks over us, and, and we feel unqualified to step into that story, to live out the story that we have imagined, but God has a way of using our weakness to his glory. And so what is it in your life today? How have you been branded that is holding you back? Hey, I don't know what voices you hear. I know what voices I hear. I don't know what word the devil has tried to to brand on your being perform or worthless or unlovable or perfect or lazy or stupid. I don't know what it looks like. But I do know that he uses every opportunity to warp and to twist us. And then we enter into our relationship with God. And we got these little tats that we just... We just, we, we can't let go of because it's who we see when we look in the mirror and it's what greets us when our feet hit the floor. And, and maybe today is the day that God matches us an eye for an eye. And says, listen, it's really not about you. It's about what I can do through you. I love how God writes a story for us 
in spite of our weakness. Because it was never really about me. Listen, me as your pastor was never really about me. It was about God saying, I just need someone to say yes. But God, what about my past? I'm the son of a German immigrant. Just say yes. God, I'm really not, I'm not educated. Just say yes. Hey, what do you need to say yes to today? What might God do through you if you can get the devil off of your back? Run that piece, please. Regrets collect like old friends Here to relive your darkest moments I can see no eye, I can see no eye And all of the goods come out to play And every demon wants his pound of flesh But I like to keep some things to myself I like to keep my Oh, it's always darkest before the dawn. 
have these scars and battle wounds. God's invitation is to bring it all to him. Every wound, every scar, every word, every brand, just to, to bring it all to him. And he says, I can work with that. If you'll just bring it to me. And if you're willing to say yes. One of the shows I like to watch, I'll close with this. At least the early audition rounds is The Voice. And you know the premise, there's four chairs and somebody comes out and they audition and the judges need to form a team of singers. And uh, the twist on this is that when uh, when the contestant comes out, the judges have their chairs turned to them, the, the back to them, and that if they like what they hear, then they press the button and their chair flips around, and that's a sign saying that I chose you. The idea of the show is that the contestants are chosen not on a physical outward appearance, but something that is inside of them. Here's what God would say to us. How long are you going to audition before me? How long are you going to keep trying to get me to turn my chair around? Man, I hit the button before you stepped first foot on the stage. I, I, I hit the button before the first note came out of your mouth. How, how long are you going to continue to perform before you think you're going to get my attention? You, don't, you can cease the audition. I already chose you. So Ephesians 1, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Listen, what we need to understand is that God chose you to be part of his cast, to be part of his story, and wrote you into his story long before you were even part of the human story. Pray with me. I don't want to pass by this moment too quickly, and so I just want to encourage you to be vulnerable before God right now. And maybe you become very specific on the words that have held you back. Maybe it was something that someone's done to you, something that someone spoke over you. Is something you did to yourself. Would you just bring that to a good father? Can you see yourself just being embraced by your creator, God? Can you hear him whispering words of acceptance and love over you? However you communicate with God right now, just ask him to come. And to begin to repair those wounds. Begin to erase that 
brand, that tattoo, begin to cover it up with a word of grace and a word of mercy. Would you say yes to the story he's writing for you? Today I bless you. I bless you, church. I bless you to step into a new story and a new chapter and a new season. And I ask that God would visit you, that the Holy Spirit would surround you and would begin to convince you of a new reality. I bless you to say yes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen, uh, before you go, we'll have a couple people down here. I know this is kind of a heavy topic, and uh, some of you, you may want someone to pray with you just to kind of continue in this, just to join with you, and I encourage you not to run off uh, if that's uh, something that the Holy Spirit is on you. Just allow someone to support you in that. Uh, if you're a guest, I'd love to meet you. I hope to see you back next week. We'll continue the series. God bless you guys.